You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today I'm not going to do the Chicago Bears. Um, as I said, I kind of want to break that stuff up a little bit. Plus, I kind of feel like the Bears are the grand finale. The Bears won the division. The Bears are probably everybody's favorite in the NFC North. Um, I don't know. I guess they're the team that I'm going to take the most pleasure in tearing down. Let me just put it that way. As much as I'm going to be objective as I possibly can, I already know a little bit. I've peeked behind the curtain. We've talked about it a little bit. I'm expecting a little bit of regression. So although there's going to be good and bad with the Bears, I just look forward to putting a little bit more emphasis on the bad. But today's just going to be kind of a news and notesy NFL roundup-y kind of day because I haven't done that in a while, and there's been a little bit of news and notes. So before we get to all those goodies, Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information. Haven't plugged it in a while. But for anybody that's new in town, Packernet is just one giant Green Bay Packers news aggregator. It's all the news in one place. Make sure every morning when you wake up, as I do, jump on Packernet, man. Be sure to jump into the Facebook group. Packernet Podcast is the name of the Facebook group. NFLBigBoard.com. It's got all the prospects and all the orders. You can sort it any which way you want. Search it any which way you want. We got scouting reports, highlights film kind of just a youtube search but that's pretty much all you're going to do anyway so i'm saving you a step and news for all the prospects so anybody you're looking at that's probably where you should start man and as i've said it's just a good jumping off spot and be sure to head over to fanspeak.com i i mentioned it before and i threw it up on twitter and all this stuff and thank you to everybody who uh participated and showed me your your uh mock drafts But if you go to fanspeak.com, you can do a simulated mock draft. They do have a premium thing where you can do trades and whatnot. But if you head over there, you can select NFLBigBoard.com's Big Board, which is going to end up being the most accurate board that's there. I know somebody decided to argue with me. They're like, well, why is Jeffrey Simmons so high? As I've said, it's a little slow because other boards are slow. right? If, If four boards have changed their rankings since the Jeffrey Simmons incident into the second round, and I've got literally 45 to 50 boards, it's still going to average out to him being like sixth or whatever he is. And it's going to be like that for a while because everybody else is really slow. If they're only updating their boards once a month or less, that's just the way it goes. However, you want to talk about who's a good pick in the fifth round, mid-fifth round? You're getting rampant speculation. The best thing you can do is to look across 50 different boards and average it out to get a better idea. That's where NFL Big Board is going to come in. So if you're doing a seven-round mock draft, I don't know why you would try anything else. Let me just put it that way. I mean, it's it's the exact reason why Fanspeak was so terrible. Because all these boards are just crazy. You get some random stuff that's like, why would this person ever be there? When you average it out across multiple boards, you eliminate that. Not perfectly. Obviously, we don't know anything in February compared to what's actually going on. But in terms of what the actual consensus is now on where people will go, there's only one board that's going to tell you that. Moving right along. Finally. Any questions you have, or if you'd like to call in for the What Grinds My Gears segment, you got an opinion on Antonio Brown, free agency, the draft, the combine, 2018, 2019, 2010, whatever. Free, free, feel free to call or text 608 Boom. Lastly, got to give a massive shout-out to uh, Mr. Charles, Mr. Chucky. He actually sent me another wood carving. And um, no disrespect to the first one, but I like this one a lot more. The first one has a whole bunch of sayings, which is awesome. But this one has, first of all, this thing's probably like 845.63 pounds, I think. It is a massive piece of wood. It's, It's more or less like he went into his backyard, gave me half of one of his trees, and then carved into it. But on one side, it says NFLBigBoard.com, which is awesome. The other side says one of my favorite, if not my favorite, ironic sayings, which is, you don't know my truth, 
which makes me laugh every time because it's the most ridiculous saying ever. And I'm actually ashamed of myself that I don't say it more often. So I already said thank you personally, but um, here in front of everybody, thank you very much. The only problem I'm going to have is figuring out what to do with it because, I mean, I can't put it on the wall because then it's going to be unseen on one side. So I got to work on that. Maybe like make it a centerpiece for the table or something. Sure, the wife would appreciate that. <laughs> you don't know my truth. It's that's just glorious. I think what I need to do is collect more horrible sayings like that and just make it my own. There's a lot of dumb out there in the world. I should be collecting it and using it. We got to put it to use somehow. I mean, it's just sitting there polluting the earth. We might as well put it to good use somehow. We got all this toxic dumb pollution just floating around out there. Let's see if we can't turn it into some positive energy. Whatever, you don't know my truth. Anyways, let us start off with some NFL draft news notes and rampant speculation. First of all, Mr. Marquise Hollywood Brown. A lot of people think he's the best wide receiver in the class. Certainly has a lot of upside. Um, If you don't know, Hollywood Brown is basically the... I would say he's the speedster, but that's a little bit unfair. Because he's not just speed, in my opinion. He's... he's, uh, Kind of like Christian Kirk in a way, but faster. Or uh, maybe not Christian Kirk, Calvin... Maybe he's Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley combined. I don't know. But he, he's he's able to separate. So he seems to be a good route runner, um, but has blazing fast speed to the... To the point where he could potentially be in the conversation for being the fastest person to have ever run in the Combine. Not that anyone actually expects him to break the record, but we are talking about the four twos. Now the problem is, Mr. Hollywood Brown, who by the way, um, I'm ashamed of all of you, and I'm ashamed of Twitter and Facebook and everybody, because nobody told me that Hollywood Brown was Antonio Brown's cousin. I feel like I, I, I feel like I've been betrayed and lied to. Either that, or I'm crazy. Or I discovered something that nobody in the world knows, but that's impossible. But I'm watching some Hollywood Brown film because, I mean, it's exciting to watch that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, sure, I'm watching wide receivers. Let's check out Mr. Hollywood Brown. So there's a clip, and he nearly gets a touchdown. Somebody, like, rips his helmet off, and there's a guy jumping around like, oh, man, he almost got it. He's on the sideline. He's got this ridiculous, like, mink coat on. And I'm like, that kind of looked like Antonio Brown. And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, really upset guy. Last name Brown, really looks like Antonio Brown, is upset that Hollywood Brown didn't score a touchdown. And I thought, no. Then the announcer says, Cousin Antonio was really upset he didn't get that touchdown. Um, what? Yeah. So Antonio Brown's cousin, Hollywood Brown. Anyways, Hollywood Brown apparently will not be taking part in the combine. Now, this is a very, very big deal for Hollywood Brown because he is 100% a traits guy. And, and by traits, I don't mean he's tall and has long arms. I'm talking about he's a 40-yard dash guy. He's a 10-yard split guy. He's a three-cone guy. These are the kinds of things that are going to decide whether he is an early second-round guy or if he is a potentially even top 10. Top, I mean, I'm telling you, if he runs like a 4 2 3, and he kills it in the in the three cone. You you can't tell me there's nobody that's even going to consider taking him from ten to twelve. And yeah, I said twelve for a reason. I'm just saying. The problem is there's some speculation that he might fall into the second round. Actually, let me let me rephrase that. The assumption was because of that he would fall into the second round, and now there are rumors essentially coming out that somebody will likely take a flyer on him late first round. In other words, Hollywood Brown went from like 12, 15-ish range because, you know, he's going to kill it in the combine to we're talking maybe second round. So just wanted to throw that out there. There's a lot of big Hollywood Brown fans. I know Packer fans. I mean, it's and I don't mean to characterize all of you because a lot of it is just and a lot of it is like the uh, I don't know, we'll call them the higher up guys or, or the the. The main guys you see on Packers Twitter, especially the the Packers Twitter slash draft guys who like to, you know, moonlight as scouts, which I mean, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. We all have opinions, but having worked with some of these people that put in 
the the grind that it takes to really scout people and have been doing it all season long to try to come out and all of a sudden act like you know what you're talking about. There's a reason why I adamantly say that I'm staying in my lane and every time I say something it's just a very unprofessional opinion. It's because I don't belong in their territory. Because I know how much work goes into it and I'm not willing to put in that much work. I've got my own thing going on, man. I don't have time for all that nonsense. It's unbelievable. I mean, I just get overwhelmed watching one of these guys break down one attribute of a quarterback. Like, look at how quickly he goes from this position to this position and then this position. And look where his arm is at this position. And that. Okay. Like, I didn't even know you were supposed to physically do that with your body, much less um, seeing it in a quarterback and then knowing how quickly usually quarterbacks do it. But then this is. I don't know. I'm just saying. Anyways, a lot of Hollywood Brown fans out there, even though that's morphed into other stuff, just letting you know he's probably late first, early second round territory now, which isn't necessarily the worst thing. If you're still on that bandwagon, it means that at 30, that's kind of when teams are starting to see Hollywood Brown like now is when a team might take a flyer, possibly even a team might trade up. I don't know. The other thing that we should take away from this is... um, the idea that Hollywood Brown and Antonio Brown could end up being on the same team. Very unlikely, but um, it'd be pretty funny. And although I said it kind of jokingly on Twitter, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do that. You would It would be an either-or situation for the Packers. It doesn't make sense to pay a bunch of money for Devontae and then go out and pay a bunch of money for Antonio Brown and then draft in the first round a wide receiver. I just, I don't really see that. But maybe, because as I've said, you don't know what's going to happen in free agency. And then once you draft somebody in free agency, or once you get somebody in free agency, you don't go to the draft and say, well, we got a free agent, so now we can't get this guy, even though he's clearly the best player. And Antonio Brown's like a one- to two-year patch, but we don't want to think long-term. We're going to skip this guy who's clearly the best player because, you know, we got, it's just it's possible. It's just, it's just kind of a joke. Leave me alone. Stop looking at me. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Some other draft speculation, Um, the Detroit Lions are finally considering, just considering, it's just kind of lingering out there, the idea of looking at a new quarterback. Uh, Apparently, General Manager Bob Quinn didn't rule out the selection of a quarterback in the first round. Now, you got to understand, whenever somebody says didn't rule it out, usually that just means somebody asks and they just give a nothing answer. A nothing answer is neither yes nor no, which is most answers, that's just kind of well, that means a nothing answer. So when you don't give an answer and then somebody says you didn't rule it out, it, it just doesn't mean anything. However, it is sort of worth considering. We've talked about how, you know, two to three years before your quarterback's, um, you know, contract is up, you want to start looking at a potential replacement. The talk is maybe not this year, but next year would be a good time to do it. Uh, next year in 2020, Matt Stafford is set to make $31.5 million. And then in 2021... He's set to make 30. So let's just say in 2020 they do draft somebody. He sits behind Matt Stafford for a year. In 2021, if they believe that they have a quarterback of the future, they could move on from Matt Stafford. They essentially would have only a dead cap hit of $10 million and then $20 million they could free up by moving on from Matt Stafford. If they decided to keep him for two more years, 
then you could start the new guy in 2022, which is only two years after you drafted this guy, and you can let Stafford go free and clear because he's owed nothing. You would save $23 million of his $23 million uh, cap. And in fact, the way that this is structured, it almost looks as though they understand that Stafford probably isn't going to be around, which is weird because he's only going to be 34, apparently, which is shocking. He's only 31 years old right now. I feel like he's 40. How is he on? Did he start playing when he was like 18 or what? How is he on? He's, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I feel like he was the quarterback when I was in high school, for crying out loud. But all right, he's 31, I guess. But anyways, I point that out just to say, potentially looking at a, uh, a new era in Detroit, um, if they are prudent... They're going to take a good quarterback in a good quarterback class at the right time rather than waiting until the last minute. Hopefully they're not prudent. They don't take a quarterback. They wait until 2022. They draft whatever garbage is available whenever it's available by trading away their entire um, you know, future draft stock to trade up and get somebody like Trubisky who's not good and then their team is garbage for the next five years. But we see, um, apparently, although my current thought is that not a lot of quarterbacks are going to go prior to the Packers at 12, it's still hanging out there. The Giants do reportedly like some of these quarterbacks. The Broncos do like uh, Drew Locke. The Redskins apparently do like Daniel Jones. The question only would be, do they like him enough to take him? And or in the case of the Redskins, do they like him enough to trade up? Because Daniel Jones is thought to maybe not even make it that far, which in and of itself is great news. One of the negative things about uh, this quarterback class would be Kyler Murray saying that he's not sure if he's going to throw at the Combine. Dude, I need you to do a little bit of everything, and I need you to dominate. I need you to blow everybody away at the upcoming combine, because that's how you're going to end up going before 12, and we end up getting some really awesome prospects. Please don't mess this up for me. Thanks much, bud. Otherwise, not a lot going on. Um, as per usual, there really isn't much as far as Green Bay Packers news. Whenever you get these sort of insiders, as I've said, who kind of talk to certain teams, you get the impression that the Packers are about one of the most tight-lipped organizations out there. Because there's just never any information, right? Walter Football, as much as people trash him for their draft stuff, which um, is funny because that's how they got their start, they all tend to seem to uh, admit that they do have some, some sources that they can go to. So that's they're a good resource for that kind of stuff. They never have anything on Packers, which wouldn't surprise me because it's just it just feels like a Packers thing to do, to stress you guys will keep your mouth shut or you will be gone. All right, turning our attention to the NFL at large. Um, some things to keep an eye on. Apparently, the whole situation with uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, you know, Earl Thomas, even uh, why I can never, ever, ever remember Aaron Donald's name, I have no idea. It's not a hard name. to. Maybe it's because he doesn't look like an Aaron Donald. I don't know what it is. I literally, 100% of the time when I have to think of his name, and I reference him, I feel like daily, because every day I have to go through this nightmare. I will never remember his name. Aaron Donald is his name. There seems to be a precedent being set with guys holding out. So it's, it's kind of interesting because I've mentioned several people that are not going to be available because they're going to be franchised. Well, at least two of those guys that I've heard so far that are really high-end talents that a lot of people would like um, that are supposedly going to be franchised have made statements seemingly saying that they will not sign their franchise tag. Now, it's for those that don't know, it's not as simple as saying, I'm not signing it, therefore I'm a free agent. Um, it just means that you're not going to play, and you're just going to hold out. Those are your only options. Either you sign it and you take the one-year contract for a lot of money, or you hold out and you don't play. And I think one of the biggest things and one of the big reasons why it's going to be interesting to watch... Um, especially Le'Veon Bell, is Le'Veon Bell held out for an entire year. If he gets a big payday, watch lots of teams uh, or watch a, watch lots of players try to follow his lead. Because as much as people want to say, oh, he's, he's losing money doing this, it's dumb, the problem with that way of thinking is that it has a built-in assumption that he was going to be healthy that whole year. There, there's risk in playing. So if he's going to be healthy that whole year and you can guarantee him that, then yeah, he probably would have just signed it and played and went somewhere else the next year. The The problem that a lot of these guys have, and the reason why players are so anti-tag, because it's not just about the money. I mean, if, if, if everybody could guarantee health, everybody would love to be franchise-tagged because you get a massive sum of money, 
You're basically paid like one of the top players, and then you get to go somewhere else. But the problem is, these guys want security. They want long-term contracts with lots of guarantees, because a, a franchise tag, although it's guaranteed, I believe, it's just one year. So if you get franchised, and you get hurt real bad, and then they let you go, your your value is ruined. So he is taking the safe route and saying, I'm worth a massive amount of money. I mean, he, he turned down, I think, 14-ish million, $15 million a year, whatever. He's looking to get paid like $17 million, just crazy money, if I'm not mistaken. If he gets paid big-time money, and there are a lot of teams. You look at a team like the Jets where he's been... Uh, you know, looked at for quite a while. I know the Jets have said they're not interested, but ju- just think about this. If you're the Jets and you've got, my goodness, I mean, what, what do they have, $70, $80 million to spend to just blow on somebody? You're a team that is an underdog that, that nobody appreciates, but beyond that, you've got a quarterback that's brand spanking new that's going to be the future of your organization. It is It is flat out neglect on your part. If you don't just pay and draft everybody in sight to first protect him with an offensive line and then provide him weapons either with a running back and or wide receivers. You have to do all of that. If you have all this money and you have still a bunch of leftover money, if you've got 20, 30, 40 million dollars left and you don't have wide receivers or running backs or or elite talent around this new quarterback that you drafted, you are neglecting your obligations. So you should be taking a look at Le'Veon Bell. As much as I don't necessarily like it, and, and I would be worried about him in particular, you should be looking at it. And there, there are other teams that have a lot of that. I mean, even, even look at the Texans. Nobody's talking about the Texans for Le'Veon Bell, but we're talking about $78 million. We're talking about a young, talented quarterback, maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL, a great defense. If you go out and pay for a bunch of offensive linemen and draft a bunch of offensive linemen and you have Le'Veon Bell, that's disgusting. So you start looking at some of these teams that have a lot of money. How about the Buffalo Bills? Almost the exact same situation as the Jets. You look at the Raiders. Tons of money. Maybe even the 49ers, as unlikely as that destination would be. They love to run the ball. It's one of the key things that they do. If these guys get into a bidding war and this guy gets his $17 million uh, average or whatever over, I don't know, let's say three years, lots of people are just going to tell their team, you can go ahead and take this... uh, this tag, this franchise tag, whatever tag you want to put on me, and you know what you can do with it. So then the question becomes, if teams like the Steelers realize that playing chicken with these guys and saying, fine, I'm not releasing you, you're just going to sit, doesn't work out in their best interest, then you might start to see teams be a little bit more open to the idea of, if you're going to sit here and cause a problem and say, I don't want to be here, then we don't want you here. But before he pollutes his own value by, by protesting all year, like, just just listen, just come to me, say you're going to do this, while your value is still really high and people assume you're high character, even though you're not because you're bailing on your team, fine, let's deal you for as much money as we can get. Because Le'Veon Bell did nothing but hurt his own value. And that value could have been used for the Steelers to trade him. Now they can't because he's a free agent. The Steelers get nothing from Le'Veon Bell. Not a single thing. He's gone. He's a free agent. Officially, he's done. The Steelers had the opportunity to trade him, and now they can't. So maybe we can work something out. Maybe we can, I don't know, sign you to a contract or, or do something to, so that we can trade you. I don't know. But let's let's try to handle this a little differently. Let's try to handle this a little more cordially. In other words, teams are going to realize that we we got to do something to, to try to maximize what we can get out of this situation. So let's work with these agents, and let's find a way that we can do this mutual, with mutual benefit. Because, again, it wasn't good for Le'Veon Bell to go through that whole thing either. It wasn't good for Earl Thomas and the Seahawks. I mean, it almost never ends well unless you get the Aaron Donald, I got at that time, situation where the Rams are like, fine, here's this ridiculously massive sum of money. Will you please stay? And he's like, yep, I will. But anyways, you're, you're already seeing it with Landon Collins. It's starting to get a little bit ugly. It was, it was kind of funny, actually. Landon Collins had reportedly cleaned out his locker, and then you had some Giants beat reporters who are, um, you know, whatever. Uh, one in particular comes out, and he's like, uh, just so you know, he cleaned out. He, he didn't clean out his locker, okay? He still left some stuff behind. He just took some stuff out. Landon Collins re- replied to that message on Twitter saying, everything I left in that locker, I don't need or want. In other words, yes, I, in fact, did clean it out. My locker is cleaned out. 
He's making it very well known. He's ready to move on. That's not a good spot to be in if you're the Giants and, and, and trying to bring back Collins. And if you're considering franchise, I mean, it almost seems like there's a stigma to franchise tagging some players that they take such offense to it that if you even suggest it, they say, I'm gone. I'm not, do-. like, how could you even do this to me? I'm offended and I'm upset. And, and that's probably what it is, right? Landon Collins, I'm sure, and his agent have been trying for a long time to get a long-term deal with the Giants. It's not that he hates the Giants and wants out from the Giants. Even, even Le'Veon Bell probably maybe didn't have a problem with the Steelers. He just wanted to get paid what he thought he was worth. Landon Collins and his agent say, okay, this is what we're worth. This is what we want. This is what we want for Landon. We would like you to pay it. And they're saying, no, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. So then it's like, okay, we're leaving. And they're like, okay, fine. We're going to slap a franchise tag. I mean, it, it just has this sort of backhanded connotation to it to where it's kind of, I don't want to say damaging to the NFL necessarily, but it, it creates these kind of rifts because whenever you have players that are this offended by it, that it, it, it's sort of seen as like an assault to use a franchise tag on a player, it becomes kind of a problem. And you, you got to wonder if maybe at the next CBA there's going to be some some changes to that. I never really thought about it as being that negative because you get such a huge amount of money. But man, these players seem to really, really, really hate it. But anyways, all that to say there, there might be, and it's somewhat of a long shot because it's hard to imagine a lot of these teams saying, fine, we just won't franchise tag you. We'll let you go. You can do whatever you want. Right, I mean, Landon Collins is our safety. We we have the right to franchise tag him. It is within our right. We want to do it, but um, I I don't know. I mean, this, it's kind of uncharted territory. The, we, last year we saw it with Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers handled it a certain way, and I mean everybody handled it differently. Right, at, at, again with Aaron Donald, the Rams gave him what he wanted. With Earl Thomas, Earl Thomas caved. That didn't work out very well. Le'Veon Bell didn't cave, and now again if he gets paid, basically we have three different scenarios and not once did we learn that the right thing to do is to go back and play for your team without getting a better contract again Aaron Donald got his contract Le'Veon Bell let's assume gets a massive contract by holding out Earl Thomas decided he's going to do right by his team and go back and play one more year and prove that he can still do it and what happens he gets all busted up and now his value goes through the floor I mean I'm sure he still has relatively high value but it was the wrong move to go back. The precedent is being set here. The, the, the right course of action is being laid out pretty clearly. But a big piece of that puzzle is going to be how much money Le'Veon Bell... And it is going to be very interesting because players want Le'Veon Bell to get massive amounts of money regardless of what they think of Le'Veon Bell because they want to slap these teams in the face and show them that you're not going to keep franchise tagging us. Teams, on the other hand, it, it's kind of tough because they don't want... Le'Veon to get a massive contract because it's bad for them, yet a lot of teams are going to want Le'Veon, so it's going to cause this sort of internal conflict. There could be, quote-unquote, collusion, and by that I simply mean it wouldn't be impossible for, at least in an unspoken way, for teams to kind of look at each other and just say, just so you know, if you give this man $17 million, you're hurting all of us. In other words, the team that does sign him for a massive contract is going to be the scorn of everybody else. The Giants, for example, are going to be furious if the Jets sign Le'Veon Bell. And essentially, the Jets are hurting themselves because the next time they try to franchise tag somebody, what's going to happen? They're not going to be able to keep them. Um, but, but speaking of this whole teams not wanting to get a big contract, there was a rumor that came out that Le'Veon Bell had ballooned up to, what was it, 260 pounds or something crazy? Now, it's funny because the first thought I had is, oh, way to go. And then the second thought I had is, did he, though? (laughs) I mean, I'm guessing if he didn't, Le'Veon Bell would have come out like that second and said, this is an absolute lie. We'll see if there's any kind of follow-up or statement on that. But it just kind of reminded me of, you know, the draft and or just, we'll just call it politics, where you just have straight-up sabotage, right? We want to lower his value as much as possible, and any dirt that we can dig up on this guy to plummet his value is going to be best because we're talking about some pretty big stuff. We're talking about big-money teams. We're talking about your ability to win Super Bowls is based on your ability to keep and retain players, and if you're not going to be able to use a franchise tag anymore because Le'Veon Bell refused to sign a franchise tag and then gets paid like an absolute baller, yeah, I'm going to leak any and all information I have to sabotage him. I'm not saying me personally. I'm just saying I could see that as a real possibility. And even if it is true, again, politics, a lot of the stuff that gets leaked, 
is true. But how did that get leaked? <laughs> right at the time, he's like, hey, I'm free. Yay, they decided they're not going to use their transition tag on me. I'm free. Boom. Guess how much you weigh. If there's any more dirt about Le'Veon, expect it to be found and released. It's a dirty game, man, but it's getting played. And it, I really do think it could be a pretty pivotal thing for the NFL. I really do. I don't know if we realize how massive this whole situation is with Le'Veon Bell. It's kind of an all-eyes-on-Le'Veon thing right now. And it's like I said, it's going to have implications on guys like Landon Collins, how that gets handled, and then the teams have to decide what they're going to do. Because, again, writing it out doesn't help anybody. Because if I'm not mistaken, the Steelers did have to allocate their money to Le'Veon Bell and then slowly got it back in increments throughout the year. That's not a benefit to anybody. You just lost that money for the entire year. And then when you couldn't use it anymore, you got it back. Wouldn't it have been nice to just let Le'Veon go or try to trade him if at all possible? Again, work it out with the guy. And maybe even, I don't know if this is even possible, but come to the table and say, where do you want to go? You work out the terms. And then all you have to do is sign this. P- I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to go into that. It's, I'm just saying. Teams, teams are going to have the next step to figure out how to handle this. But, um, yeah, so Landon is, is kind of out there. But, again, even if he doesn't sign his tag, that doesn't mean that he's, a, he's available to be, to be got. But it does make it a little bit more likely that he's going to be a free agent this year and available for the Packers if they decided to go that route. Some other pretty crazy news doesn't really directly impact the Packers at all, but apparently... Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle. Sounds kind of crazy, but I can tell you right now, if Russell Wilson does leave, and he's eyeing up uh, the Giants apparently, and the only reason this is interesting is because the Giants are talking about needing a quarterback like today. So if this is going to become an issue, and it, it kind of ties into what we're talking about, right? If, if a player just says, I'd like to move on, please, and the team says no, and then you say, well, I kind of say yes, and I hold the keys here, and if it's demonstrate that the player demonstrated that the players really do hold the keys, it could be in the best interest of the Seattle Seahawks to try to trade him. Um, but that would absolutely be the demise of the Seattle Seahawks. On the flip side, the New York Giants, day one, in my opinion, become Super Bowl caliber whatever. right? Maybe see if you can, I, I don't know, but that would be insane. But, um, I mean, you can see it. You can see the fact that the, the Seattle Seahawks are declining. They haven't done a good job of being able to draft anybody, despite Seahawks fans refusing to acknowledge that. They don't have an offensive line. They've been trying to fix that since forever. Their defense is year over year deteriorating. They don't have very many weapons at wide receiver anymore. That's also slowly deteriorating. And apparently his wife, who is involved in uh, you know the whole Hollywoodish kind of scene, is saying, I'd like to be a little closer to the action. So she would like to be closer to New York. So the thought is, hey, how about the Giants? So again, the only reason I bring that up is because if they did want to move to the Giants... The Giants are looking sooner than later. This isn't going to be like, okay, maybe give us a year or two or three. If this is real, this could be real, real quick. It's also the last year of Russell Wilson's contract. So, I mean, th- that's the other thing you got to consider. And, and again, teams need to think about this stuff. The thought process is, if this is Russell Wilson's last contract, fine, it doesn't matter. We will franchise tag him next year. What if that doesn't work anymore? If you're the Seattle Seahawks and you're looking at this, if I'm them... And Le'Veon Bell signs a big contract. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Russell Wilson. I'm going to say, we would want you to come back next year. We're willing to pay you. Will you come back? If he says, no, I'm sorry, I won't, we will be moving on, you got to trade him. And you have to trade him while he's under contract. Russell Wilson right now would command an... I mean, you couldn't even... I, I couldn't even quantify in words how much you could get back in terms of compensation. The Giants would have to sell the farm. And they would, and it would be worth it. And the Seahawks would have the ability to have lots of draft picks over the next several years. This year, next year, probably even the year after. And they kind of need it. But again, talking about the implications of these kinds of things, you could start with, I mean, think about the ripple effects. These are the kinds of things that make more sense. Now you start to see more high-profile guys getting traded. Why? Why would you do that? Because if you don't trade them and you decide that we're going to keep them, but we aren't going to pay them because we're just going to use a franchise tag, that option is gone. So now what do you do? Your options are trade them now while they're under contract in the last year of their contract or play them throughout their contract and then lose them in the offseason. I mean, granted, you could play them and then trade them as long as they're still under contract. So Russell Wilson could play this year and then at the end of the year you trade them. But again, like I said, sooner than later. 
Those are the kinds of massive implications that I'm talking about. High-profile guys at the end of their contract getting traded as opposed to just kind of, you know, end of the year, well, he's a big-name guy, we'll see what happens. Oh, franchise tag. Trade becomes a much more realistic option. A um, couple other things here, as far as free agency, I guess, goes. Devontae Parker is apparently going to be out the door. Um, I saw on Twitter some people saying, you know, Packer fans need to cool it. Devontae Parker isn't worth it. I don't know. I guess it kind of depends. He's not worth a lot of money, that's for sure. But, again, what I'm looking for, all we really need is a number two. It'd be nice to get a number one to pair with our other number one so that we have two number ones. Of course, everybody wants that. But all we really need is a solid number two, and Devontae Parker is a solid number two. Now, the biggest issue is going to be his injury history, but let's set that to the side for a moment. And let's also set aside the whole, well, he's going to get better with Aaron Rodgers. Forget that. I don't, I'm don't. i not even talking about that. If we just get a typical season from Devontae Parker as he played in Miami with Tannehill and whoever else, they're getting a number two wide receiver who plays in the slot. I, I, I think based on a, a, around his average, I think he was around like maybe like a number 50 overall. And again, if your concept of, of Parker is an elite wide receiver, that's probably not what we're getting. But if you're looking for a number two guy, a number two guy, based on what I'm looking at, is somebody that is the 33rd best through the 64th best. Right? You should be somewhere in that range to be a number two, a tier two kind of guy. And again, as I've said, and I'll repeat it, Equinemius St. Brown was our second best wide receiver. He was the 105th best. 105th. So a number three should be in somewhere in the top 96. We don't even have a number three right now. So just to be clear, Devontae Parker would step in as a number two. He'd also be a slot guy, which again is something we need. And if anybody, if we can get either Equinemius or MVS or Kumaro or Jamon or Geronimo if he stays around, if we can get any of these guys to be a number three to be on that other side of the field, we've got a decent group. So that that's sort of the the argument for we don't necessarily need Antonio Brown. We don't need a freakish wide receiver. We just need a number two wide receiver. If we can get two number two wide receivers, if we can get two guys in the top 64, if we can get two top 50 wide receivers in addition to Devontae, that is an awesome group. Mathematically impossible for every team to have that, which is why I use that, you know, 1-32, 33-64, 65-96. The reason I use that is because it's just mathematical. It's impossible for most teams to have, uh, you know, two guys in the top 32. That's mathematically impossible. So it's just another way of looking at it. I'm not saying Devontae Parker is an elite wide receiver. I am saying he's absolutely an upgrade. The only question would be, what is he worth? I I think I kind of looked around at, at some comps, and I think Alan Hearns was a pretty good comparison also had the injury history kind of in and around the same skill level and um the number i came up with was somewhere in and around six million i don't think that's horrible if we decide to go the free agent route and if we don't want to go with the um if we don't want to go all in with the antonio brown guys we just want a a other wide receiver i don't think that's the worst option Now, somebody else to consider would be Mr. Emmanuel Sanders, who apparently is not willing to restructure his contract with the Denver Broncos. Now, he's under contract, so it's not like he's a free agent, but there is some talk that uh, Broncos may be moving on from Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's 32 years old. He's owed $13 million, and the Broncos could save $10 million of that. So if they're asking him to restructure, it obviously means that they're not happy paying him that much money. Um... We had that same situation with Balaga, and we ended up keeping him. So it doesn't mean he's going to be cut. But if you're unhappy with the amount of money you're paying the guy, then um, you got two options. Suck it up or cut him. Now, if he gets cut, and I don't know what he would, what, what kind of money he would come with, but there's no question on this planet that Emmanuel Sanders is a better player than Devontae Parker. Again, the question is how much money would he want. But if money wasn't an option, if, 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 that, if, or if, if money wasn't an object, excuse me, and you just said Parker at six million or Sanders at ten million. What's a better value? It's Sanders at ten million all day long. Sanders is legitimately a number one wide receiver. He's not Devonte Adams, but he is a top twenty wide receiver. We haven't heard his name as much because he's had garbage quarterbacks, but he has been consistently a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Getting a guy like Emmanuel Sanders is 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 big time. 
even at 32, he's still a talented guy. And the other benefit of getting somebody that's 32, as much as nobody wants to call it a benefit, is that he knows he's not getting long-term. He's not getting a four-year contract, a five-year contract. Not going to happen. So if you're looking for something short-term, you, you sign a guy like Sanders to be short-term. The, the biggest problem that I have with all this is, um, and we haven't really talked about it, but if you remember last year when they cut Jordy Nelson, and, and I, I pointed to there was an interview done by uh, Tom Grassi on YouTube, and he did a sit-down interview with uh, Mark Murphy. And essentially he was asked about it, and, and Mark plainly said, Basically, we were paying too much money for wide receivers, and that's why we got rid of Jordy Nelson. You just can't allocate that much money to wide receivers because Randall Cobb was making a bunch of money. They just paid Devontae, and essentially what he said is as soon as we gave Devontae that contract, we knew we were getting rid of Jordy Nelson. Devontae Adams' contract goes from $10.8 million to $16.6 million after this year. 16.6. So that's something you got to keep in mind when we talk about free agents this year. If it's a one-year signing, that's one thing. If we're talking about multiple years, look, man, we we can't. We it's not that we can't. We won't spend that much money. Not only that, Aaron Rodgers becomes the highest-paid quarterback in the. So we're going to have the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. If we give a wide receiver even $12 million in 2020, the Packers will be spending, I think, about $4 million more at the wide receiver position than any other team in the NFL. That'll be, thir- or, uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry, it would be uh, $13.4 million to bring us up to $30 million. I think the highest anybody's paying right now for 2020 wide receivers is $26 million. $26, 28 I don't know, I don't remember. The, the point is, you can't pay more than anybody at quarterback, and more than anybody at wide receiver. And we're going to be paying a ton at at offensive line, maybe, depending on who's still around, I guess, but a lot at offensive line. Our offense is going to be sucking up so much salary cap, and Devontae's going to be a big part of that. You can't allocate that much to the wide receiver position. Once I recognize that, that we're going to 16.6, it just made it even more impossible. Unless you're getting Antonio Brown for one year, which I doubt, because you listen to him talk and he's talking about he wants guaranteed, which we can give him guaranteed, but multi-year guaranteed, there's just no way, man. There's just no way the Packers are going to spend $30 million on two wide I just, I don't see it. I, it's not saying it's entirely impossible. Maybe just for, you know, if, if it's just that one year, 2020, and it's a two-year contract with either... You know, Emmanuel Sanders getting $10 million, and you could front load it. Maybe if you want to give uh, Emmanuel Sanders, I don't know, if, he'll t- if, he, if he wants his 13, that's 26 over two years. Give him, I don't know, $15 million this year and $11 million next year. Somewhat more reasonable. And also make sure that there's almost no money left, so if we need to cut him next year, we can as far as guarantees. But, you know, again... Do we need wide receivers? Yes, but I think if we're going to do anything, I, I tend to think now more than ever, just looking at this, as much as I understand what people are saying about Antonio Brown. I listened to Colin Coward talk about Antonio Brown, and he's right. The Packers sometimes are a little too conservative. Teams that are winning or teams that are going all in, you got to take risks, all this stuff. I get that. Financially, I don't, I, I don't get it, man. It, you can't do that. $16.6 million Devontae's going to make. That's crazy money. On top of our, what, $32 million guy? I mean, right now, Odell Beckham is is making an average of like $18 million a year. $21 million against the cap this year, which is ridiculous. But the, as far as average per year, and I know Devontae's average per year is, is quite a bit lower, but just to give you some context, uh, Odell Beckham, $18 million, Antonio Brown, $17 million, Mike Evans, 16.5. 16.6 is a big number. So, anyways, for that reason, I, I just can't imagine spending a lot of money on our offense in general, but especially at wide receiver. We're going to have, again, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, pending any massive contracts that come out. We'll see what happens. And one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL. It just doesn't leave a lot of money to be like, oh, yeah, let's go out and pay for a guard, and let's pay for a tackle, and let's pay for another wide receiver. Oh, and let's pay for a safety, and let's pay for this, and let's pay. It's like, nope. Let's not forget Kenny Clark is due a pretty massive contract very, very soon. Let's not forget all that stuff. So anyways, on to some more positive news here. 
Speaking of uh, wide receivers and contracts and all that kind of stuff, we talked about the Vikings on yesterday. Adam Thielen apparently is getting a new contract. Now, it's not going to be a new contract that restructures it so that they get to keep more money, which is what they need. Actually, Adam Thielen and his agent talked to the Minnesota Vikings, and the Minnesota Vikings agreed that he's underpaid. In other words, he's going to be getting more money, which kind of makes sense because he deserves more money, but it's hilarious that this guy's going to be getting more money in a year in which he doesn't have any money. I mean, the team doesn't have any money. Now, it could technically still be a restructure so that um, he has a smaller cap hit this year. It's, it's possible. But understand, if, if you're giving him more money and less this year, it just means a lot more next time. I mean, 9.6 in guarantees. Let, let's say they bump him up to a $15 million a year wide receiver or 16 or 17 or whatever it is they decide he's worth. If you make him a $15 million man and you're going to pay him, what, $4 million this year? If it's a $15 million a year, four-year contract, that's $60 million. If you pay him four in the first year, now it becomes a three-year, $56 million contract. That comes to an average of $18.6 million per year, which is exactly why I say all the everybody who says these contracts and all this money stuff, it's all fake, it doesn't... It does. It's real money, my friends. The only way you weasel your way out of this is if you put almost no guarantees in this. If there are guarantees, which I promise you Adam Thielen is going to be expecting, as is his agent, you give him $45 million in guarantees out of 65. It's going to take you a long time. Pretty much, I mean, you, you, I mean, if you pay him four in the first year and then $16 million over the next two years, you're only at $36 million, So you still have $4 million left in guarantees sitting on your books. Not to much mention any money that you pushed out that's prorated that sits on your books. So, I mean, it's just bottom line is even if they're, if they're restructuring this in the long haul, this is going to hurt their salary cap. And there isn't much room. He's only making, again, we're only talking about an $8.3 million cap hit. So if he restructures for less money, it's just it just means more money later. So please, by all means, do that. Because you're in a bad cap situation this year, I would love it if you have a bad cap situation over the next several years. So that's awesome. Props to uh, Adam Thielen's agent. Um, finally, and I'm kind of doubling back a little bit, but there is one other player that has said that he's not going to sign a franchise tag. I haven't heard too much more about it since. But it is potentially the best free agent available on the entire market, and that's Demarcus Lawrence, defensive end for the Cowboys. The Cowboys want to keep him. Going to cost a lot of money, especially in a, you know, the other thing is if they're looking at possibly signing Earl Thomas, maybe it would make sense to move on from Demarcus Lawrence as much as that's going to hurt. But it's going to be hard to tag Demarcus Lawrence and then throw 12, 13, 14, 15 million at Earl Thomas, whatever he's going to command. But I find it interesting because, again, Demarcus Lawrence potentially the best, you know, according to NFL.com, they do have him as their number one free agent available, right? We're talking 14.5 sacks in 2017, 10 and a half sacks in 2018. The only real question I would have is, can he play stand-up outside linebacker? If the Packers were interested in, in pursuing him, that would be the biggest question because he is currently a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. His build, I think he's like 260 pounds would suggest, I mean, it's not a build issue, but it's not even so much build when you're looking at outside linebacker, it's skill set. Right, defensive end, hand in the dirt, you're looking for that explosion off the line. Uh, outside linebacker, you know, maybe a little bit more use of hands and that kind of stuff. But it, it's another question that would make me very nervous that the Packers pursued him, but it is very interesting. You know, I mean, and it, it's that's just that we know of it. You look at Jadavian Clowney, they're probably going to be using a franchise tag on him. Let's see how he respect, reacts to that. Because the fact of the matter is, these guys, if they hit, hit the open market, they're going to make a lot of money and it's going to be probably pretty long term with a lot of guarantees. I mean, we're talking set for life. Not that these guys probably aren't already or shouldn't be by now, but a franchise tag is like a one, what's he going to get? 18, I don't know what it is, 17, 18 million for a year. We're talking about maybe 17, 18, 19, 20 million dollars per year average over three, four, five, five, it wouldn't be five years, three, four years with like 50, 60 million dollars in guarantees. I mean, there's a reason they don't want this big money uh, tag, because massive money, massive uh, set-for-life money, my last contract, just give me my one big payday, this is all I've worked my entire life for, this one big payday, just give it to me. And, and, and all they are is, one, not signing this franchise tag away from getting that massive payday. I mean, that's, that's Le'Veon Bell's whole thing, and we're about to see, again, if that whole thing materializes. 
he could potentially get his massive payday, his last big contract that sends him off into the never-never land. He, he, he gets his contract, he plays his last few years, and then he retires just on a pile of money. He just floats off into the ocean on a boat made of money. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something to be considered. A lot of these guys, Grady Jarrett, um, Trey Flowers, some of these guys that you look at, D. Ford even, a lot of talk that he's going to be franchise tagged as D4. Now, I think he should probably stick around because I don't know that his market is going to be all that great. Again, he only had one good year. But a lot of these guys, you hear about franchise tag, Landon Collins, Frank Clark with Seattle. I mean, are they going to be franchise tagged? And then if they are, are they going to sign it? So very excited to see. And I, I just, I really can't wait to see what happens with Le'Veon Bell uh, because it's just, it's got some pretty big implications. And, and for the Packers as well. Not that they use it all that often, but it's going to have implications moving forward as far as, you know, do you really want to do that? Because you also have to remember, final note here, that if the franchise tag is deemed as anti-player and you tag a player on a franchise tag, what does that tell the other players on your team? And granted, they should look at this as this is just business, but you don't like that adversarial relationship. You don't want it to be players versus you know, the ownership. It There shouldn't be that kind of an adversarial thing going on. And you kind of feel that with, with Pittsburgh. And it's even with the coaches. It's not just the owner, Art Rooney. We're talking about adversarial relationship between Antonio Brown and uh, the coach. The coach is seen as as one of the establishment guys. And and even the quarterback, he's he thinks he's a coach. He's one of them. He's not one of us. You can't have that kind of relationship. So again, it, it's just getting to the point where as a team, you got to look at it and say, I don't know that the franchise tag is a super viable option at this point, unless we sit down with contract negotiations and just say, would you be receptive to it? It is an option we can do. Like for example, a D Ford, I think a franchise tag would be beneficial. You get a lot of money. It's a one-year kind of a prove-it deal, but it's a massive one-year prove-it deal. Would you be willing to do that? But uh, just strangling somebody with it may be a, a uh, outmoded kind of mode of of, uh, contract negotiation. Anyways, them's my thoughts. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. I think that's what it is. It certainly is. That's what my phone says. I will talk to you fine folks tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.